have their first eight-game losing streak since 1995. Swept by the Boston Red Sox. They are now 1-8 against the Red Sox this season. They are now 1-10-3 in their last 14 series. Their record now sits at 16-64. This series has gone completely off the rails. And I, starting with the last game of the series... I am officially rooting against the Yankees for the rest of the season. And, look, they're not going to make the playoffs. Do I hope that individual players do well? Of course. I am really hoping that some young players um, get called up. That needs to be the next thing that happens. However, this needs to get as bad as possible. Just, and ultimately, it might not matter. Um, you know, I, I think that if you're, you know, a betting man or woman, I, I think uh, Aaron Boone is likely gone, and Brian Cashman likely stays. But um, you want this to get as uncomfortable as possible for Hal. Probably doesn't matter, like I said. Uh, but still, like, this has a lot of potential to get pretty ugly, and it already is. I mean, and their last nine-game losing streak, so if, you know, going into this national series, and look, Washington has been playing some decent ball lately. Like, it's not like they've been... Horrible by any means. The Yankees lose that first game of that series. That'll be a nine-game losing streak. The Yankees have not had a nine-game losing streak since 1982. So, you know, I'm pulling for that to continue. Uh, but I really... Look, as much as I didn't want... Of course, look, the Red Sox. I hate the Red Sox. I think it helped the fact that the Mariners continue to win. And look, that's a three-team divisional race in the AL West all of a sudden between Texas, Houston, and Seattle. That's a three-team race. What the Mariners have done has been amazing. Uh, plus, the Blue Jays doing well, and I don't like the Blue Jays um, for what it's worth. But, um, you know, I think it kind of made rooting, like, against the Yankees and in favor of the Red Sox, you know, in turn, a little easier to stomach. Um, but anyway, you know, the Yankees got absolutely obliterated the first two games. Johnny Brito um, and Garrett Cole in Game 2. And then Game 3 was a close affair where the Yankees kept on tying it up, but Boston just uh, was able to to break through. And, and for Boston, I mean, going to the season, there wasn't really high hopes. The Red Sox were supposed to be the last place team in the division. But you look at that lineup, it's a very, very solid lineup. Um, top, top down, really. Like, Justin Turner, great pickup from the Dodgers. Just a great, great... And this is... Um, that's the type of hitter you want on a ball team. Just sound. Uh, sound veteran guy. Uh, and it doesn't stop there. I mean, Yoshida, I think, is going to be a, just, you know, a good player. Already is a good player. And I think he's going to do well for the Red Sox. Rafael Devers kills the Yankees. And, and, of course, you know, is a star in this league. But specifically, torments the New York Yankees. And I could go on and on. Um, but, look, the, the like I've said recently... The future for the Yankees, it looks bleak, very bleak, and they, they need to turn things around. Uh, change needs to happen because, again, if you run this back in, in any close form, uh, it's going to be ugly. Uh, you almost look, you have to, there has to be a, a real full reset here, and, and you know, the Orioles are going to be good. Like That's the thing, too. The division's strong. It, it's the right time. It's now. It, like, the right time, I mean, to sort of retreat in a way. I know that's not the Yankee way, but get younger, get more athletic. And look, there might be some growing pains. Look, Anthony Volpe is a prime example of that. And Volpe, even just in today's game, had a rough error, 
that led to a Red Sox run, but also had a three-run homer. Like, there's good and some bad, but at least for Volpe this year, a lot of experience, and that will help him in the long run. You know, as much as I wanted him sent down to AAA, that, when I wanted that, that was when I thought the Yankees had some chance. Now, absolutely not. Very happy he's up here. Um, so, and I'm looking for certain guys that are injured to be shut down for the season at some point. Look, I know that's the scary thing is it's August 20th right now. So there's still a lot of season left in a way, but I don't know if when it, we go into September or what it is, but I, I really, I know I've kind of harped on this too, is let's get some kids up and let's shut down some key cogs for the future, you know, for the future. Uh, and I'm specifically speaking about Judge, but look, LeMahieu and Stanton as well. Like, for better or worse, like, they're going to be part of the plan, and that's scary to me. I mean, Stanton, whoa. I mean, I think he's betting 199 now for the season. It is bad. I mean, for Stanton, that that is a problem. Four more seasons of him is scary. But I, what's the reason to push it at this point? Why? What is that going to do? Season's over. So, if I'm the Yankees, I really, really would like to call up um, Everson Pereira, Austin Wells, Oswald Peraza, um, even Estevan Florial, you know, tinker with that 40-man roster. It's easy. It's easy. It's it's simply easy on many levels. It, you know, it could be as simple as, hey, Jake Bowers, thank you for what you've done. DFA'd. Uh, Billy McKinney, same thing. Greg Allen, same thing. Like, those are not necessary guys. And I'm not saying, like, it's their fault that the season is where it is, but it's just those are easy moves off the bat. Ben Rortfed, like, Maybe I'm being a little bit short-sighted with him. Is like you know he's he's a young he is a young player, but he's batting 95. Yeah, zero 95 this season with the Yankees. So I think that has got to be the plan. Uh, and, and just look, I mean, just for the fans to even have any level of enthusiasm, like they will um, embrace the younger kids. I mean, what do you want to hear? Booze? Like they're not going to boo kids. So it just to me it just makes sense to for many many reasons to evaluate for 2024, you know, to kind of again keep the angry fans at bay and like they should be disgusted. I mean, again, eight game losing streak. Like I said, to me that Marlin blowing that final Marlin game it, it was the nail in the coffin of this 2023 season and that was totally true. But as far as like my fandom, I still kind of went through that Brave series knowing it was going to be bad and it was still you know still hoping like hey like maybe. Um, even though, again, the, the cutoff line for me was the Marlins series, but you, know, you kind of have this in-between phase, right? You can't transition quickly into rooting for them to lose. And for me, it was that Brave series in the beginning of the Red Sox series. Like, all right, like, let's see what happens. And, you know, going into that final game today, you know, I was hoping for it. You know, with a day off tomorrow, I, you want, um... You know, you want that pound of flesh that you probably won't get as a Yankee fan, being Cashman. But I just think the idea of, you know, going to that off day tomorrow, just all the talk about being how bad the Yankees are. I did not need some bullshit win today to, you know, raise, you know, the morale and be like, oh, yeah, like things are going to turn around. No, like losing is better at this point. Any way you look at it, like it just is. And it's weird for me as a Yankee fan to to do this because that has not happened ever. Um, the only time, like, I was trying to think of, like, specific instances, and they're very few and far between. One that kind of came to mind was the end of the 2011 season, where that last game where the Yankees played the Rays, and the Rays had that crazy comeback, and it ultimately um, resulted in the Red Sox missing the playoffs. Like, that's an example, but, like, that's different. That's just like a, 
you know, a one game situation at the end of the season. We're talking about like, it's August right now. And I don't want the Yankees to win these games anymore. I, I just, you know, let them lose the national series coming up. We know at the Rays, I, I would be stunned if they won that series that that didn't happen. And so, um, you know, I just think again, I, I, I just, I wanted to get that out there that moving forward, it's not going to be like any strong rooting, but like my preferences for losses that that's, that's how I'll put it. I am watching these games differently now. Um, and you know, that's just the way it is. I mean, I've been in this position before with the giants recently with the Rangers somewhat recently and now with the Yankees. So, um, you know, and, and what I've seen in those instances, things do turn around. Things do turn around like the Giants, like they're on the upswing. Um, the Rangers, like they, um, you know, transitioned out of there and, you know, had some success. So with the Yankees, like they need to uh, rebuild this thing or retool this thing. And uh, I'm not optimistic about how this is going to go. That's the thing. I, I really do think the future is not bright for the New York Yankees. Let's get into the series. We're not going to touch you know, touch on this too much. I, I think what's more import important is the talking points, you know, early in these episodes, um, as far as just the state of the union, um, and, and talking about what is going on in Yankee land and not so much, you know, what's happening in the games. I mean, look, what's happening in the games is resulting in what we're talking about. And so it's important. And, you know, there's always, there's so many different things that happen in a baseball game. And, um, you know, individually. So it is interesting to, to get into that, but I, I think it will get, a lot more exciting, like I said, if some of these kids come up. And I, I do think that's going to happen soon. I did think that it was maybe going to happen in this series. It didn't. But I would not. I mean, it'd be kind of crazy with this national series coming up to not do that. Um, it's not even waving the white flag. It's like, I, I honestly think that, like, you'll have a better chance of winning games. I, honestly, you know, me rooting against the Yankees, like the, the fan that wants the Yankees to lose, don't call these guys up. You will do worse by leaving it the same and having these boring players that provide nothing in the lineup. If you call up some, even last year, like calling up as Waldo um, and, and as Oswald Peraza to an extent, like it did kind of provide a bit of a spark um, to an extent. Like it, it just, and that's what, I mean, we saw it in 2016. That's the prime example. And it won't be as good as that was. I mean, again, what Gary Sanchez did was nothing short of remarkable, but I think that's what has to happen and probably will happen very soon, maybe as soon as the National Series. So Red Sox-Yankees, Yankees coming off, getting swept by the Braves, come, going back home, you know, kind of hoping to turn things around. That did not happen, and they got blasted early. Johnny Brito, um, and we've seen this before from him where, you know, you think back to the, the Twins game and maybe a few other instances where I think Brito has done like a nice enough job. The numbers are, are fairly ugly. And ultimately, I don't think Johnny Brito will really be anything of a major league pitcher. You know, he has a 5.43 RA, only 48 strikeouts and 64 and two-thirds inning. The whip at 1.38 isn't good, but honestly, when you look at all the other numbers, it's not terrible. So, um, again, he's kind of navigated through, but ultimately, Johnny Brito is a minor league pitcher who has kind of been up out of desperation. I don't think this was ever really the hope or plan, but here we are. And, and Brito... Uh, was touched up in the first inning. The second inning was more, I'd say, sloppy defense and more being unlucky. The first inning, he kind of got tattooed. Um, you know, you have an RBI single by Justin Turner. Like I said, Turner, um, what are his numbers on the season? I, I think they're really, really good, like all across the board. Turner, 
who is 38 years old, actually turning 39 in the offseason, 20 homers, 79 RBIs with a 288 batting average, 844 OPS. Like, yeah, that's just, you know, and who knew? I mean, well, I shouldn't say who knew. Like, for the Dodgers, like, the Dodgers, they, they seem to make the right moves. And for them to kind of not bring him back, it makes you wonder. But the Red Sox pick him up, and he kind of got off to a slow start. Actually, a really slow start, and has been... Honestly, one of the best hitters in baseball the last few months. So a Turner single makes it one nothing Red Sox. Then Masataka Yoshida hits his 13th homer of the year. A three-run homer makes it 4 nothing, And with that, the game was over. Like, that was the dagger right there. Uh, and Yoshida, you know, just a, a solid year. Batting 297, 13 homers, 60 RBIs. Like, not eye-popping numbers, but really solid in his first year in the majors. Uh, makes it 4 nothing Red Sox. Then in the second, Glaber Torres was just a, kind of a, a lackadaisical error, in my opinion. And for Glaber, who, like, the brain farts have decreased for the most part in the last month or so, um, with one out, Pablo Reyes, who, uh, you know, who's at the bottom of that Red Sox order and really looked very good uh, in the last couple games of the series. Reyes reaches on an error right there by Glaber. Eventually, you get an RBI single by Rafael Devers, who the numbers he put up in the series were just stupid. Um, just the Yankees could not get him out. That made it 5 0. Then Justin Turner with an RBI single makes it 6 0. And then Yoshida, with kind of a seeing eye hit through short and third, makes it 7 0. So three straight RBI singles gives the Red Sox a 7 0 lead. Then in the third, Ian Hamilton would come on to replace Brito after a Reese McGuire double. Ian Hamilton, I feel bad for him. He has been, you know, in, he has pitched in a lot of. Um, lopsided games where the Yankees have been losing and doing very well. Hamilton ends up going three and two-thirds inning, one, only allowing one hit, no one runs, no walks, and five strikeouts. Hamilton has a 1.72 ERA in the season with 55 strikeouts and 47 innings. Like, this is someone who I think will be in the plans for next year. Um, you know, and I think he might have an interesting role because he's someone that can give you length. Um, after Brito went two and he pitched two and a third innings, uh, gave up nine hits and seven runs, six of them earned, and only one strikeout. Really ugly stuff for Brito. Hamilton comes in, does the job. Um, it doesn't really matter. But in the third, DJ LeMayu gets an RBI ground out after uh, Anthony Volpe let off the inning with a double. And Volpe has been one of the very few bright spots for the Yanks. So the Yankees cut it to 7-1. The score would remain 7-1 for quite some time. In the seventh, Keenan Middleton comes on and replaces... Uh, Hamilton and gives the Yankees a score of seventh inning. Man, uh, Middleton, uh, you know, who's a free agent at the end of the season, has been good for the Yankees. Uh, in fact, let me see the numbers as a Yankee. I think they're like really strong. Um, you know, and again, this is ultimately probably meaningless because, like I said, he's a free agent at the end of the year. But Hamilton, in seven appearances with the Yanks, has gone eight and two thirds innings, only uh, allowing four hits, just one earned run, one walk, and 10 strikeouts. So, like, excellent, excellent numbers for Middleton. Um, so he goes that scroll of seventh. Then, um, Greg Weissert was actually called up. So that, so, uh, Randy Vasquez was sent down, um, because the Yankees were kind of thin in the bullpen. And so Greg Weissert, who hadn't been with the team for a while, is recalled and is actually still on the roster currently. Um, in the eighth, so Weissert pitches a scroll of top eighth. In the bottom of the eighth, um, the former Yankee prospect, Garrett Whitlock, was in. And Whitlock... Gives up a one-out single to LeMahieu and then a two-run homer to Judge. So Aaron Judge uh, hits a couple of home runs in the series uh, right there, uh, hitting his first Yankee Stadium home run since like the end of May. It's his 23rd, 23rd home of the year, cuts the lead to 7-3. In the ninth, uh, a two-out 
uh, rally for the Red Sox. You get a double by Verdugo, and then a uh, after a while pitch by Greg Weissert, Devers gets an RBI single um, to make it 8-3 Red Sox. We go to the ninth. Uh, Brennan Bernardino, the lefty, comes on for the Red Sox. You get a leadoff single by Glaber. Uh, Counter for Luffa pinch hits and gets a double, makes it second and third, no out, down 8-3. So it was going to be tough to come back. But then Harrison Bader strikes out looking. Harrison Bader had a really bad series. And for Bader, the numbers are really not good at all at this point. And for me, someone who I thought definitely could have been in the plans next year moving forward, I almost think he's certainly not going to be uh, the, the center fielder for the Yankees Um you know, he's a free agent coming up, and I, I think he heads elsewhere. I, I don't, you know, as much as I love what he did in the playoffs last year, and as much as I think that the skill set he provides is interesting, uh, I just don't see a fit there. I don't think that he'll be worth what he'll get. So anyway, Bader strikes out looking. Volpe strikes out looking against Chris Martin as he comes on. And then Ben Rortfred flies out to end the game. Uh, and interestingly enough, Ben Rortfred would fly out to end game three as well. But anyway, the Yankees lose 8-3, and we head to game two. Garrett Cole, uh, unfortunately, in Game Two, was touched up, and the Red Sox have gotten the better of him, just in general. And, and I'm, I'm not making this episode so much about a, a Red Sox thing, but again, like the Yankees have been swept four times this year, two of them versus Boston, and this is the first time the Yankees have been swept at home this year, and it's to the Red Sox. So the Yankees are one and eight versus Boston. That is, that is pretty unacceptable, uh, more than unacceptable. Um, but. That's where we are. And again, Boston's at the Yankees numbers. And like, just generally speaking, I know that there's been some years where the Yankees have been much better than Boston. There have been. Don't get me wrong. I think back to like 2019 and, and like 2020 where the Yankees like really kind of beat up on them head to head. But, you know, when it's really mattered, the Red Sox have been, you know, better than the Yanks. So Garrett Cole, who mostly struggles versus the Red Sox at Fenway Park. It's not so much a Yankee stadium. Like at home, he... To me, I think the numbers bear out that he's probably been a lot more good than bad. But still, because he's been so bad at Fenway, and I'm sure there have been some. I mean, since he's been with the Yankees since 2020, I can't imagine every start's been good at home at Yankee Stadium. Boston really does well against Garrett Cole. Uh, and so now Garrett Cole, after this outing, drops to 10-4, and four, and now his ERA is above 3. 3.03. Again, the Scion contention is still very much in play, but it gets shakier with this outing. And Cole ends up only going four innings and gives up six runs. This might have been Cole's worst outing of the season, although that's probably debatable. And he had that rough stretch in May, so I'd have to look back at it. But this is definitely Cole's worst start in a while. Um, and he gives up a couple home runs, and the Red Sox uh, had Cutter Crawford starting in this one. I should also mention Brian Bayo. Uh, started game one for the Red Sox and has pitched well versus the Yankees, and Cutter Crawford does so in this game as well. Um... In the second is when the Red Sox get going. And eventually, it leads to a grand slam by Luis Urias, who is acquired by the Red Sox at the trade deadline. It's his third homer of the year. A grand slam gives the Red Sox a 4 lead. So similar to the feeling that you had after the Yoshida homer in Game 1, Urias grand slam here. You, you feel it's so going to be over, and it basically was. Um, in the second, after a Giancarlo Stanton walk, Connor Falefa tries to lay down a bunt. Uh, very unsuccessful, as it was kind of popped up and caught by Connor Wong, and they double off Stanton at first. So, Connor Falefa's explanation of the game is that the, the, the scattering report on Crawford is that he's not good at throwing to bases. That, to, that to me, kind of made it worse. Like, if Connor Falefa was trying to bump for a hit, okay. I still think it's weird with Stanton being the base runner first, who's so slow. So, I don't really agree with that in the first place, but fine. You know, maybe it's perfectly placed, and you catch him off guard, but you want to do it because he can't throw... Like, busy. And then, like, 
Like, that's crazy to me. Like, that's what you're banking on? That's just, like, miracle stuff and just not really being sensible. But it doesn't work out, and so it looks really bad. And so the, the score is 4 nothing still. And in the top of the fourth, Connor Wong hits a true on homer off a of Cole, makes it 6 nothing, And Cole's day is done after 4. Jonathan Loisega comes out in the fifth. And Loisega, who pitched games 2 and 3, has been very good since returning. Uh, Loisega looking like his normal self, looked good in the fifth here. And then in the sixth, Tommy Canely throws his scoreless sixth inning. So again, like, you know, the bullpen, although in game three, the bullpen was shaky. But in the first two games, in mop-up duty, the bullpen was good. Uh, in the sixth, Aaron Judge homers again. So he homered in the first game, he homers again here. And the Yankees were being no-hit to this point, so that breaks up the no-hitter in the sixth inning. Judge hits his 24th home of the year, makes it 6-1. Then Albert Abreu comes on in the seventh. Uh, he would pitch the remaining three innings and threw a ton of pitches. I think Albert Abreu threw a career high. 56 pitches, uh, and that's been his role. And it's kind of amazing that Albert Abreu remains on this team. Like Again, that's another example of a guy who could be designated for assignment that has not been. Uh, Abreu uh, gives up a ground rule double to Pablo Reyes. This was a, not a great look by Greg Allen, who kind of lost it in the sun and left. It was a catchable ball, kind of lost it. And so it's a ground rule double, RBI double for Reyes, makes it 7-1. Then in the ninth, Rafael Devers homers to dead center field, a 3-0 pitch that, you know, and sometimes gets taken in that situation, but he swings and hits a homer, his 28th homer of the year. Red Sox take an 8-1 lead. They would win by that 8-1 score, so they clinched the series win at that point, and so now they're going for the sweep in game three, and they would get it. Let's go right through it. Uh... The Red Sox on the mound, it was an opener. Josh Winkowski looked good. And then uh, the bolt guy was Nick Pavetta, who had a nice five innings of work for the Yankees. Clark Schmidt looked good. So Schmidt, um, who really struggled against the Braves in his last outing, rebounded nicely. Uh, went five and two-thirds, gave up two earned runs, although that second run... You know, a little unfortunate uh, that it was allowed. Uh, two two walks, eight strikeouts. So um, a good outing for Clark Schmidt, like kind of back to what it was. And, you know, the strikeouts were there against a tough lineup. So, again, you know, one of one of the few bright spots um, for the Yankees as things have, you know, gotten out of control for this team. But uh, the Red Sox get on the board first. It's that guy, Rafi Devers, who uh, just has the Yankees number. Uh, it's his 29th homer of the year, uh, a no-doubter. Makes it one nothing Red Sox. In the bottom of the third, Kyle Agashioka homers to the opposite field off of Pavetta. Uh, his eighth homer of the year uh, makes it 1-1. It would remain 1-1 until the sixth. And in the sixth, it gets sloppy for the Yanks. You get a leadoff double by Devers, uh, and then Turner walks. And so with Schmidt on the mound, Yoshida hits what could have been a double play. Not a great uh, throw from Glaber to Volpe. But then Volpe should have probably just eaten this and not thrown it, and completely airmails it over LeMahieu's head, and Devers scores from second. Uh, it was a close play at home, but just an ugly play, mainly by Volpe, but kind of all the way around. And so the Red Sox take a 2-1 lead. Michael King would come on to finish up the sixth inning. Uh, within this, he strikes out Trevor Story, and Alex Cora gets uh, thrown out of the game, arguing balls and strikes. Going to the bottom of the sixth, the Yankees do tie it up. Glaber Torres hits his 19th homer of the year with two outs in the inning off of Pavetta. Uh, makes it 2-2, and this was his 50th RBI of the season, and that he's the first player to reach 50 RBIs in the Yankees at August 20th. Uh, and then, ironically, Volpe would tie him up within the RBI category. Uh, we'll talk about that soon. So, then in the seventh... Michael King's still on. Leadoff walk to Reese McGuire. That's going to lead to problems. You can't do that. Eventually, after an intentional walk to Rafael Devers, which is the right move, first and second two out for Justin Turner, who hits a three-run homer off of Michael King, his 20th homer of the year. And for Michael King, um, you know, 
he's had good stretches this year. I think the numbers are ultimately good, but he's had, he has given up some pretty big homers over the course of the season. So he has kind of failed in some big spots, but like that's natural considering how many big spots he's been in. Bottom of the seventh, John Schreiber comes on and struggles for the Red Sox. Uh, it's a leadoff infield singer by Bader, uh, and that was kind of a lucky one for Bader. Uh, then McKinney walks on four pitches, and then Anthony Volpe in opposite field. You know, it was a short porch shot at Yankee Stadium for Volpe. 17th homer of the year, 50th RBI, ties it up. So just like that, Turner hits a through and homer. Volpe matches it with one of his own, makes it 5-5. Um, Brennan Bernardino would, would finish the inning. Uh, the lefty would come on, and uh, for that, Stanton, who was not in the lineup, I should mention, Giancarlo Stanton was not in the starting lineup. He pinch hits for Bowers, and Stanton flies out to left. Again, Giancarlo Stanton's batting average sits below 200 on the season. It has been a disaster season for Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, in the eighth, Jonathan Loisga in a tie game comes on and pitches a scoreless safe inning. He has really been, I'd say, the most consistent and strongest reliever for the Yankees since he's returned. In the bottom of the eighth, things get controversial. Chris Martin comes on. You get a leadoff single by Connor Falefa. And then with two out, he's running on the play. And Volpe singles to left. Now, Rob Refsteiner, uh, the former Yankee, who comes in the game that inning, actually, because uh, Jaron Duran was injured. Refsteiner slips. And so with Connor Falefa running on the play, he gets a little aggressive. And, and uh, no problem with this aggressiveness. And he gets sent home. And originally, they call him safe. They say that he got under the tag of Connor Wong, the catcher. However, upon review, they called him out. And this was controversial because, you know, it, it looked like it might have been inconclusive. And when it's inconclusive, you stick with the call on the field. However, it's overturned. I think it's one of those things where if they had called him out of the field, I think that definitely would have stood. Um, and you thought with it being called safe on the field that it would stand, but it did not. And kind of when things are going wrong, it kind of, you know, that this is what happens. And um, so the game remains tied 5-5. And Clay Holmes comes out of the ninth. And this was his first really sort of close, big, quote-unquote, outing since the Marlin meltdown, and Clay Holmes did not exactly do well here. Uh, Pablo Reyes leadoff single, then he's still second, then Verdugo walks, and then Rafael Devers grounds out. Uh, they get the the force out at second. Um, you know, could, could Torres have thrown him to first and maybe try for the double play? Maybe, but he doesn't throw. Uh, and so now it's first and third, one out, and Justin Turner, who was the hero and star of the game, gets a game-winning RBI double to the opposite field, makes it 6-5 Red Sox, and they could have made it more, but Clay Holmes does stop uh, anything more from happening. Yoshida grounds out, and Duvall grounds out, and that could have proved costly for the Red Sox. Um, in the ninth, Greg Allen, who came on as a pinch runner earlier in the game, uh, gets a, uh, it's a close one here. He hits a double off the top of the right field wall. So off of Kenley Jansen, Greg Allen, which would have been very unlikely, and even this double was unlikely, almost homers, he doesn't. And then DJ LeMay, who's hit by a pitch. So the Yankees are set up. First and second no out for Judge. But he strikes out looking. So Aaron Judge in a big spot versus Kenley Jansen does not get the job done. Then Glaber Torres strikes out. So it leaves it up to Ben Wartved, who um, you know, came in the game after that Giancarlo Stanton um out like things you know what happened was Greg Allen took the spot of Higgy and and ultimately Rortved took the spot of Bowers and Rortved you know give him credit he hit it deep but uh Duvall the center fielder catches it and the Red Sox sweep the Yanks they win 6-5 and the Yankees drop to 60 and 64 eight game losing streak like I said so now uh quickly the National Series Carlos Rodon will return uh, and as far as that roster move goes there's a number of different directions you can go in uh I guess Greg Weissert's probably your guy I mean, could it be Johnny Brito? Maybe, but probably Weissert. But either way, that's an easy move, whatever they do with that. So Rodon will return, and, you know, again, for me, expectations are low. 
Uh, as far as Rodon's concerned, I have not liked what I've seen, even when he has been somewhat healthy. Uh, he'll go up against uh, Josiah Gray, uh, who's a young pitcher for the Nationals, who's shown some promise. Uh, they received him in a trade from the Dodgers. I think it was probably that uh, that Trey Turner-Max Scherzer trade a, f- a couple of seasons ago. And then Game 2 will be... Um, on the mound for the Yanks, Luis Severino, which is always scary, versus Mackenzie Gray, uh, who's a lefty who also was uh, included in a pretty big in that uh, Juan Soto deal, uh, and Gro- and Gore. Uh, he's a lefty, so like the Yankees have had more success versus lefties, so maybe that'll prove them well. But still skeptical that that game works out for the Yankees as well. And the game three is probably the one where you're most likely to win because it's against Patrick Corbin, and Corbin has been really bad for the last few seasons. One of the worst pitchers in baseball. But, hey, the Yankees have proven anything is possible. And things can get as bad and as rock bottom as possible. And for the Yankees, it's TBD. Uh, we'll see who ends up getting the start there. That could be Johnny Brito. Um, that could be a number. That could be really anything. So we'll see how where that ends up. But we do know it'll be Rodon and Severino to start the series. And, again, like for me, I'm hoping the Yankees lose this series. Uh, I would certainly not hate the Yankees. I mean, look. Getting swept would be pretty hilarious. I don't think that'll happen. Home against the Nationals, that would be pretty crazy. Um, but, you know, could they lose 2-3? Most certainly. Uh, Washington has really been playing a lot better baseball uh, lately. So, again, Yankees, 8 uh, game losing streak. 1-10-3 in the last 14 series. 1-8 on the season versus the Red Sox. And, like I said, first 8 game losing streak since 1995.